Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is January 17th. I am your host, Corey Walsh, and we're, today we're going to talk about uh, some divisional round, uh, not divisional round, oh my god, conference championship games, AFC championship game, NFC championship game, Titans, Chiefs, Packers, Niners. Should be an interesting time. Hopefully that we actually go above 500 and just go for the complete two for two this week. Went two and four last week. Went one and three the week before. Good thing I didn't go with that format I said before about just doing it all in one fell swoop because I'm starting to think none of the teams I would have picked have bet would be in it right now. All right, so we're going to, as I said, we're, I'm going to review over these games and then we're going to have Ronnie Props on for about 20-ish minutes to talk some bets and talk the previews, talk about what happened last week a little bit, and a little more college football for those of you who like it. You seemed like you like it last week. All right, let's just jump right into this. Uh, we got the Titans at the Chiefs. Uh, here come the Titans. Uh, Tennessee, 11-7. and seven. They've reached this point due to, in case you haven't heard, uh, Derrick Henry. I noticed I've said lived under a rocker a lot, and um, that's not something I'm really trying to make coin as my phrase because I'm not, like, 70 years old. So <laughs> we're actually just going to go. So Tennessee, 11-7, and seven, running game, produced over 200 yards in road wins over New England and over Baltimore for a franchise playoff record of 217 in the divisional round. If you don't know their story by now, they went through at away – at Foxborough, the place where no, not many teams win, especially in a place where the Patriots aren't familiar on wild card weekend, and they stunned them in a 20-13 to 13 road win in the wild card, crushed the one seed MVP 14-2 Ravens with Lamar Jackson 28-12 in a game where they just punched him in the mouth very early and then emerged as the champions in the divisional round. So now the Titans have won three straight games that dates back to their finale win against the Texans, which was against entirely their backups. So I don't know why we're counting this as a three-game win streak when they should have won that game regardless. Uh, Kansas City is coming into this game at 13-4 and four for the season. Uh, they haven't won two games in the same postseason since 1993. That is a huge yikes. But don't worry, they got playoff mastermind Andy Reid, who is known for his terrible clock management skills and his ability to just simply not be <laughs> as clutch as he needs to be. But we're, I'm hoping that that 24-0 start that the Texans had shook out all of the Andy Reid bad luck that you could possibly have for one postseason. Because I don't see the Chiefs going down 24-0 off the bat to these Titans because they won't make the dumb drops and dumb punt mistakes like putting Tyree Killen at 21-0 and having him fumble it right away and then just getting the shit kicked out of him afterwards. So for the Titans here, there's two primary concerns, I think, injury-wise. They have Jalen Jalen Brown, their uh, linebacker, who suffered an ankle, ankle injury twice in that Pats game, and then he missed the divisional round victory against the Ravens. They haven't had their franchi their uh, free agent signing Adam Humphreys from the Bucks who was supposed to be their Edelman. They actually beat the Patriots out on – they picked the Titans over the Patriots and when the Patriots offered him more money. And he's been out for the past six games due to an ankle injury. Now, on the Chiefs' side of the ball, they don't have Chris Jones. He's day-to-day -day with a calf injury. And Reed held him out, over, out of the win over the Houston game as a game-tie decision. He had the warm-ups. He went out, and he said he wasn't feeling it. And Andy knew that he, it wasn't worth the risk. 
and he kept him out. So with him back, his presence will be a huge boost to this Chiefs defensive line that's really going to have to try to slow down Derek King Henry as he is being dubbed as of late. So let's talk about these offenses really quick. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Damian Williams, Kelsey, Tyree Kill. Those are the names that everyone knows, and frankly, those are the names that you need to know because Kansas, Kansas City scored touchdowns on seven straight possessions last week, and that ties for the most in a playoff game since the 1970 NFL-AFL merger. Here's the thing. The Titans need to replicate the pass rush for this against this offense, this KC offense, without blitzing because Mahomes was sacked just once by the Texans, and that is just not great. The Titans, frankly, ranked 31st in the regular season in red zone defense, which allowed opponents to score touchdowns 68.1% of the time. The only team that ranked lower than this Titans team, unfortunately, and somewhat coincidentally, was the Texans at 71.4%. The Chiefs have averaged 28.2 points a game this season, which would rank them fifth in the NFL. They held opponents to a 19.7 points, which is good for seventh overall in the NFL. Kansas City is 6-3 and three at home, so that just looks only great for them. Their offense is a flamethrower. They score points at will, and if you keep giving them the ball like the Texans did in that past the second quarter when the Chiefs would stop shooting themselves in the foot, it proved to be a very tough game overall for the Texans. And honestly... The offense is the polar opposite of this Titans team that they are now playing because unlike the Texans, the Titans have a great running back, not an okay one or pair. They have Derrick Henry. Here's the thing. Derrick Henry, for those who don't know, he is averaging 188.5 yards rushing per game, which is the most by a player in a single postseason in NFL history with a minimum of at least two games. The, the key to the success, besides Henry just being a brute kid who obviously ate all of his vegetables and protein and obviously injects creatine into his eyeballs, uh, the Tennessee's offensive line has excelled in the opening lanes for Henry, who often use cutbacks, and they use that to uh, truck through the opponent's side for the direction of play. And they don't even need their quarterback to play that well because it's been famously recorded that Tannehill has been handing the football to Henry and only has 160 yards into playoff wins. And he has a 3-to-1 touchdown interception ratio. And for those wondering how I came up with that ratio, it is fairly simple. He has three touchdowns and one interception in the postseason. I think he went 26 touchdowns and 11 interceptions in the regular season. So if they really had to go to him, it's not like he's a scrub quarterback who can't do it. He certainly can. And in the limited time that he has actually had the ball in his hands that didn't involve him just passing it behind him, he has been pretty sensational as he lit up that Ravens defense and just gave two beautiful passes one to the tight end with the left butt cheek touchdown in the corner and then to down the middle on that pass to number 14 whose name yep I still don't know who number 14 is on the Tennessee Titans that's fine don't think it's going to really be a do or die situation for me there uh so Tannehill this this a whole key to this uh, running game also is that their offensive line, the way they run is through their guards. They have the most guard play in the league and the Titans as they run through the guard gap more than any other team while rushing the football. They do a lot of screens, cutbacks. They have the guards move, shift, create open holes. They like to attack the gap. Um, the Chiefs, unfortunately... Do not seem to have a recipe for success for this as they allow an average of 128 yards per game this season. 
and Derrick Henry should honestly just resume his success. They played back in week 10 and had a, he had 188 yards and two rushing touchdowns. Now, you can't really take that full game. I know a lot of people are going back to it. There's a lot of issues that you should have when looking back at that game. First off, Mahomes was hurt. He had that bum ankle injury, and he obviously was not the same player. Every team in midseason is going to look different than they do at the end of the year because injuries will stack up, and they just won't play to the max potential that they have. Also, Tennessee was just starting Ryan Tannehill at that point. So they really they he needed a few weeks to get involved with the starters and obviously this huge surge that the Tennessee Titans have took was when Tannehill switched but keep in mind this was in the earlier half so they weren't at the full strength that they are at now and knowing what they need to do to win games so here are some defensive issues uh the Titans they finished the regular season ranked 12th against the rush and 24th against the pass now this sounds oddly like how the uh, the weakness of the Chiefs is the rush while the strength of the titans offense is the rush the strength of the weakness of this titans defense is the pass and the strength of the chiefs game is the pass because they have patrick mahomes the Tennessee titans have scored an average of 25.1 points in regular season play which would make them good for 10th in the nfl but they do average allow an average of 20.7 points which would place them 12th overall However, the Titans team is coming in hot, going 7-3 on the road, including their playoff wins. Patrick Mahomes, however, last week was a human flamethrower and a heat-seeking missile. As past that second quarter where the team was playing sloppy, as I've previously stated, he threw for 321 yards with five touchdowns last week. This is a ginormous mismatch in the Chiefs' favor against a Titans pass defense that ranked 24th in the NFL in the regular season. The Titans also surrendered 365 yards to Lamar Jackson last week, even though they did blow them out 28-12. But as I said in the previous pod this week, I don't think that was Lamar Jackson's fault completely that they lost, and I think the blame is a little unfairly placed there because he did throw some balls that were just dropped entirely, and you really can't blame anyone else. You can't blame Lamar for people not catching the balls that he is throwing in exact perfect windows. So... Why do I think that this game could go differently than the uh, ra- the game we saw last week with the Titans? Uh, the Ravens are a completely run-dependent team. I know Lamar Jackson can throw it, but they did break the single-season rushing record as a team because they really liked – they used Lamar basically as a running back. They used Mark Ingram. Now, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson's a running back. He obviously is a very good quarterback. I just think that when uh, you add that wrinkle in that he can run the ball just as fast as any other running back in the NFL and you need a spy basically on him at all times, you don't need to say the same about Patrick Mahomes. The If you eliminate the rush, the game for the Ravens becomes much more complex for them, not for defenses, because they haven't really had to rely on the pass as much as I think they had to in that last game. They kind of went into panic mode after a certain point and just gave up on the run entirely. Now, that could be because Mark Ingram's calf was having issues, as you saw with that clip where they showed he had the heat pad all wrapped around his leg, but at the same time... This Chiefs defense does not need the rush. They Their running back, Damian Williams, is hardly considered a running back in my eyes. He is more of a pass back. He does simply just catches the ball, and maybe he'll give a nice little um, in, the, in a shotgun, just do a draw inside. That's like the most he'll get for runs. That's what he did last week at least. So 
They held the Titans defense, held opponents to 104 rushing yards in the regular season, and they held the Patriots to 98 yards in wildcard weekend. I'm not going to say the Ravens stats because that's unfair to include it with Lamar Jackson as a quarterback. Those stats are always going to be much more like they're going to be inflated. I always I always think. But Damian Williams last week tallied 47 yards on 12 carries last week but as I just also said that he is more of a pass back than a running back so that stat line shouldn't make anyone really that concerned they're if they run it I would assume they're gonna bring back LaShawn McCoy who yes in case you did forget is on this roster he is being underused and by underused I mean not used at all so this Chiefs defense uh, according to Pro Football Outsider, they have a 14% stuff rate, which is 27th in the NFL. That is tough scene for this for Chiefs fans because Derrick Henry is on the other side of the ball, and if they can't stuff average running backs who didn't shove creatine into their testicles, they're going to be screwed against Derrick Henry because the Chiefs' pass defense is among the best of the NFL. Unfortunately for them, the, the Titans know that they have Ryan Tannehill, who is not going to enter the Hall of Fame at any point soon. But he is good enough to get the job done. So unfortunately for the Chiefs that them ranking 8th in passing yards conceded and that they didn't fare well in the divisional week last week when they had uh, 388 yards scored on them from Deshaun Watson. You don't need to worry because I'm not seeing Ryan Tannehill throwing for 388 yards soon. But how funny would that be if this whole week we've been hyping up Derrick Henry to once again have an amazing game and they just decide to shock us all and go for only Tannehill, which is kind of what they did against the Ravens now that I'm thinking about it. They they really went pass heavy in the first because what they like to do with Derrick Henry, I've noticed, is that they like to have um, they they like to wear him down on defenses in the first half of a game, and then in the second half of the game, they really just grind it down their throats, and they know the defense is exhausted to the point where they're not going to stop him. I know Earl Thomas, I was like thinking that they're going to uh, be able to tackle him because the Patriots couldn't, and then we saw Earl Thomas making out with the turf as Derrick Henry shoved him into the dirt twice on two separate stiff arms on the same possession. Unfortunately, the Chiefs do rank fifth in the NFL with 16 interceptions. Ryan Tannehill has threw one interception against the Patriots, and it was really the last time he made a really risky throw. Uh, The Chiefs last time they played limited Ryan Tannehill to 181 yards, and that was before they were already giving Derrick Henry the ball more than they were giving Tannehill the ball. Uh, defensive tackle Chris Jones led the team with nine sacks in the season. Jones didn't play last week due to that calf injury and is questionable, but Frank Clark posted eight sacks this season as well. So that you don't need to worry about that. So here are some stats to further emphasize the uh, weaknesses and strengths and how they're kind of similar here. Um, the Titans have an average rushing attempts per game of 28. 27.8, which would rank 10th. The Chiefs, however, have opponent carries 26 times per game, which would rank 17th. The uh, the Chiefs had the third most rushing yards in the league with 2,223, while the Chiefs' opposing rushing yards combined for the season were 2,051, which, would, which ranked 26th. The average rushing yards per game for the Titans was 138.9, which was third in the the Chiefs, in, re- in response to that, uh, their opponent rushing yards uh, per game was 128.2, which ranked 26th. 
and the uh, opponent rushing yards per carry is ex- almost identical. The Chiefs give up 4.9 yards per carry, and the Titans rush for 5 yards a carry, which ranks second in the NFL. So I'm seeing a lot of things. The spread is not thinking this game is going to be close. I do believe this game is going to be close. I know it seems like no one really thinks that the Titans can, if they do lose, would it be close? I do. I believe this game is close, and it's basically on the verge of a coin flip type game for me. I feel this way about both games, but it will be close because the two glaring weaknesses of these teams, as I already have tried to illustrate to you, are the opposing team's strengths. But I unfortunately do not think we will be getting a step closer to having Mike Vrabel cut his penis off. Penis Gate 2020 is officially probably going to die today or tomorrow or Sunday, depending on when you are listening to this podcast. I believe I see the Chiefs avenging what happened to them last year in Foxborough. I think Andy Reid cannot fuck this game up anymore. And I think Derrick Henry will have another jaw-dropping game. But it simply will not be enough. And we will watch. We will remember these Titans. But we will remember them more for what they've done in the past than what they will do on Sunday. And I think that the Chiefs will win this game 31-27. to All right, Green Bay at San Francisco, Golden Boy. Aaron Rodgers is returning to the place that he always has believed has snubbed him. And uh, we'll see how this goes because the last time they played, it was ugly, and I'll talk about that in a minute. All right, so this Green Bay team, as I said last week, this team has never really this season needed to rely on Rodgers, and that is why I believe his stats have quote-unquote suffered with a 26-4 to touchdown-interception ratio. However, this game script needs to flip because I believe if the Packers are going to win this game, they will have to have Rodgers, not Aaron Jones, be the focal point of this game for them in order for them to win. But that is where these two teams differ, in my opinion. The 49ers do not need Jimmy G to throw the ball a ton in order to win this game. They have a balanced rushing attack with Raheem Mozart and Tevin Coleman's resurgence and Matt Breida. And they have a great defense that will allow the offense to be in the position for Jimmy Garoppolo to play a conservative game. But first, let's talk about the Packers. The Packers' offense was third in first quarter points this season. Plenty of occasions during the season. The Green Bay had a, hu- a lead. So Matt LaFleur, the, the, uh, the head coach, will put together a top a, a game script in the opening sequences that Rodgers and the rest of the offense would be able to execute basically – just plan out their first few drives to get them in the lead, and then from then on they'll have the rush game in the defense, keep them out of bay so the opposing team never had a chance. However, in Week 12, this is where this game was spiraled out of control, and Green Bay put up 2.8 points per game in a 37-8 whacking of the Packers. By far Rodgers' worst game all year. So what that game really illustrated is the way to beat Rodgers is to get after him with four rushers. Rodgers However, unlike last week with Cousins, is definitely better against the Blitz. Here's Rodgers' numbers against the Blitz this year. In 148 attempts against the Blitz, he has 8.3 yards per attempt, 9 touchdowns, 0 interceptions. However, Rodgers, not against the Blitz, had 448 attempts in the pocket, 6.7 yards per attempt, 19 touchdowns, and 4 interceptions. Now, why would that be? Well, it's very simple. Elite quarterbacks... In the NFL, when they are faced with a blitz, know exactly what to look for. They know that there's going to be one-on-one coverage and that there's going to be a space down the middle of the field or over the top that's going to be completely open that is exposed with more men rushing at the quarterback. Now, Aaron Jones was the focal point of this Packers offense for a majority of the year. However, against Seattle, that was not the case, which is kind of concerning. 
The reason it is concerning is because Seattle's defense was not that great, and their rush defense was the not that great at all. But Aaron Jones finished the game with 62 yards on 21 carries. Now, Jones does not possess the speed of Dalvin Cook. However, he is more agile and has better balance when hit, which is a deadlier combo than what Dalvin Cook possesses, which I would argue is pure speed. Now, the Packers have a consistent threat outside of Devontae Adams on the perimeter. They do not have a consistent threat outside of Devontae Adams on the perimeter, which is a big issue because if you look at that depth chart, it's Marquise Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, Adam Lazard, and Jamie Graham. And for those of you who played fantasy football, you know that if you had any of them on your roster ever, you were guaranteed to score under five points with them as one of your receivers. Aaron Rodgers is now going to have to rely on them more than he did last week. Devontae Adams absolutely ate apart that entire game. If you took Devontae Adams out of that game, the passing numbers were very unimpressive. They basically only had to rely on the other weapons on the last drive where you saw catches from Allison and Jimmy Graham to seal that game. If they could find a way to get Jimmy Graham back in the time machine and return him to even like early year Seattle form, not saying he has to be New Orleans Jimmy Graham, but Seattle Jimmy Graham early on, then you have a big chance of surprising this defense. Aaron Rodgers said this difference between this week and last time they played is that quote the problem is when you make the game bigger than it needs to be when you try to do too much when you try to cover for someone else in your own mind that's when mistakes happen and there were they cannot make mistakes in this game the Packers committed a plenty of self-inflicted mistakes in the first time they played they came off a bye and still lost 37 to 8 one of their only three losses all year so the 49ers are coming into this game after absolutely trouncing the Packers division rival, the Vikings. Here's the weird, the scary part for Packers fans. This might be up. The record might say it. You might not want to admit it. But overall, the Vikings were a better team than this Packers team is. Offensively, they are much more scary. Why do I say that? All right. So you got let's go by position by position then. You have quarterback, which you will take Aaron Rodgers over Kirk Cousins, unless you are stupid and still think that Aaron Rodgers is washed up. He is not. I will take Aaron Rodgers. Running backs, Dalvin Cook versus Aaron Jones. As good as Aaron Jones is, I truly believe Dalvin Cook is definitely better than Aaron Jones. However, I so I will give the advantage to Dalvin Cook. Wide receivers, Devontae Adams, I do believe, is better than Diggs and Thielen. However, the two of them combined are much more threatening than the combination of Adams, uh, Geronimo, Allison, Scantling, and uh, Lazard. So I will be taking the Vikings. Tight end, Kyle Rudolph, even though he is old, is still better than Jimmy Graham's corpse is. I will be taking Jimmy Graham. And I do believe that the offensive line is pretty much equal on both sides of the ball here. But if you don't get what I'm saying already that this Vikings offense on paper was much better than what the the uh, Packers offense was. I do not – the only difference can really be on how Rodgers handles the blitz versus Kirk Cousins did because Kirk Cousins was eaten alive and didn't have the time to let the plays develop. Now, the Vikings were known for big play offenses on passing because they would pass so few. They, didn't, they would run for short and pass for long which you saw in that game when they had uh, Diggs right on the respond after the 7-0 deficit with that hesitation deep route where he slowed down then gained speed again to shake off the corner for that quick score. The Packers game is full of quick slants, so if you can get Rodgers to just throw dinks and dunks in a uh, quick style and have them still, they can't give up 
on the running the football. The Vikings gave up very early in that game after that first drive where they got punched in the mouth right away and just was they had to fix their game plan immediately. I would hope that Matt LeFleur would uh, keep running the football, not give up whatsoever. So here's the thing. The 49ers have a pro football reference. The, the 49 there's a thing on pro football reference and it's a simple rating system which essentially is schedule adjusted to the margin of victory and the Vikings are at a 5.4 the Packers are at a 3.2 and the 49ers are at an 11.0 the 49ers have one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL ranking second in the league with 144.1 yards per game if you can't guess what first was they were knocked out by Mike Vrabel's penis last week all right San Francisco finished fifth in the in yards per play with 5.9 and fourth in third down conversion rate with 44.8. San Francisco finished tied for fifth in the league with 48 sacks on the year while having the number one pass defense in yards per pass at 5.2 and pass yards per game at 166.6. In Week 12 when they played, however, D. Ford and Kwan Alexander were not there, and they were there last week, and you know what that looked like? Hell. <laughs> overall and the defense was still really good so something tells me that this front four wwe tagging team is still gonna light up the offensive line but you really just have to count on rogers i know i keep saying that but it is true Joe Staley missed that game for the Niners also, but that didn't really impact them that much because they still ran for 112 yards on two touchdowns. But the defense has this one factor, the Sherm factor, Richard Sherman. Opposing quarterbacks have thrown for a mere 236 yards while targeting Sherman during this entire 2019 postseason and regular season and included just a single pass play of more than 25 yards per game. Rodgers is famous for avoiding Richard Sherman in any game that they play. He's not the only one. A lot of people avoid that side of the field because the metrics say to, and frankly, Sherman says to. He said it last week. The one time he got thrown to, Kirk Cousins got picked off, basically. Arguably, Thielen did not turn around in time, so I don't know how much I can really blame Cousins for that. But at the same time, just to say safe, do not throw in that direction. I would honestly throw more in the middle of the field and just keep throwing short passes because if you try to go for big throw deep plays against this 49ers defense, that front four is going to eat you up really quickly without the need of a blitz, and you're just going to see Rodgers running for his life the whole game. And I know Rodgers is much more mobile and very uh, creative in the pocket more than Cousins is, but at the same time, Rodgers can only do so much at this age. I'm not saying he's washed up. It's just a matter of fact that he is getting older, so like things that you would expect back in 2014 are not what you should expect this time. An interesting little tidbit about this game, however, is that Shanahan and Matt LaFleur are uh, two of the youngest head coaches in the NFL at both being 40. They are actually very good friends. They've worked together on three separate teams, they were together on the Texans, the Redskins, and the Falcons between 2008 and 2016. Shanahan was the offensive coordinator on those teams, while Matt LeFleur was an offensive assistant and a quarterback's coach. So here's what I'm going to say in conclusion to this game. Overall, a great part of me really wants to say that Aaron Rodgers will pull this game out of his ass and deliver the true holy grail of his career and create an upset that we'll all talk about for the weeks to follow to the Super Bowl. 
However, the more logical side of me sees that there are glaring issues in this Packers offense that the Vikings faced last week, which I still believe were a better team. But they will face off against a balanced behemoth of a 49ers defense. And the only chance I really see of the Packers winning this game is stopping the three-headed monster they have in the run game and having Jimmy G throw a dumb interception that he can do on occasion. You don't really think of Jimmy G as throwing interceptions, but he does throw interceptions a fair amount, so much so that there was a prop being placed last week that Jimmy G would throw, a, like that he would guarantee he would throw an interception, and he was tied in a bet separately with both Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill. The fact that he was placed in both of those proves that Vegas also knows that he does not throw the ball super accurately. So, well, not that he doesn't throw it accurately. He, he is prone to making some dumb interception type plays. However, this all being said, I am hesitantly going to pick the Niners here because I do believe they're the better team. I do believe they have the formula to win, but a part of me still thinks that Rodgers can pull this out. And if we wait, if I wake up Monday morning and the Super Bowl is Chiefs Packers, which would be a revenge game of Super Bowl one, ironic with it being NFL 100, I think I would not be that surprised. I am going to pick the Niners to win this game 24 to 17 all right so uh now on the line we got uh Ronnie props who's back from a uh an interesting weekend welcome back Ron <laughs> tough weekend tough weekend just some some results you didn't want to see yeah I feel that <laughs> I didn't have money really on it besides my DraftKings team because you know Connecticut gambling so cool <laughs> and uh but you uh we hit a little bit of a cold streak Hit a real cold streak. Started the day 0-3 right right out the gate. And there's nothing worse than, than when you're ready to go, you're excited for the weekend, and then boom, loser, loser, loser. Uh, Minnesota, just what are we doing? How does Dalvin Cook get the ball nine times rushing? He is Dalvin Cook. You feed him the ball. Also, D Ford didn't practice all week. Was a game-time decision. In 20 minutes before the game, he's in. Plays like he's on fire, looks great out there. Um, the, the rush defense from San Francisco looked great. Just hate, just didn't want to see it, hated it. Um, you know, so, so that hurt. And then the Tennessee-Baltimore game, I don't even know where to start with this. <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. Right away. 14 up. It's just, Everyone was panicking. Brian Tannehill looked like Dan Marino out there. And then Derrick Henry is just running the ball down the Ravens' throats. Lamar Jackson turned the ball over. I mean, if you if I walked in there and, and, and you told me that Lamar Jackson was going to have 500 yards of total offense, I would have laughed at you, taken the over, and played the and, and taken the Ravens. And it's just – it didn't happen. Under hit, and Tennessee smoked them. It's it just very frustrating. So, yeah, an 0-3 to start on Saturday. Luckily, I redeemed myself, Houston and Kansas City. That was a nice 2-0. I was super worried when they were down twenty four nothing, but as soon as they blocked that punt, uh, I knew it was over. It's like, oh, I, yeah. who knows what Bill O'Brien <laughs> in there? Um, so I'll take the two and three, going into Seattle and Green Bay, and just another disappointing result for uh, the gamblers on the pod here. You know, we're we're gonna try and and set set this ship straight this week in the NFL. You know, we got the two games coming up, and then, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't at least bring up Clemson LSU for a little bit, and uh, just the absolute kick in the dick that game was. 
Yeah, uh, you know, up seven, certainly was. Up seven, looking great, you know, riding high, thinking, I mean, I should put more on the money line. And half an hour later, I'm I'm looking at my wounds, looking around, asking them to hit me in the face. So Trevor Lawrence just looked terrible. I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow is apparently a god. And it's just, you know, Jamar Chase over here, 200 yards receiving, two touchdowns. Randy Moss's son, Thaddeus, you know, coming out huge. It's just, uh, yeah, it was a rough week. But we're, we're jumping back on the horse. We got this week coming up. We got two good games this week, two difficult games. But um, looking forward to making some money. Yeah, hopefully uh, the Vikings don't do – I mean, the Titans don't do what the Vikings did and only use their running back on the first drive, feel like it doesn't work, and then leave. Because <laughs> that's basically what the Vikings did in that first game. If that happens here, Kansas City is going to have the ball for 75% of the game. They're going to score with 75 points. They're a, basically a flamethrower. and they're, The only thing in their way is the Hulk at running back, basically. Yeah, I you know it's it's gonna be a good one. So we got Kansas City, Tennessee is the first game of the week. We're at Kansas City. The the line has been moving a little bit here. Right now I'm seeing Kansas City as a seven, seven and a half point favorite. Over under is fifty two. I've seen it at fifty three. I even saw it as low as fifty one and a half. Um and it opened at fifty. So over betters are coming in pretty hot on Kansas City here. Uh to note it's gonna be cold. Uh, on Sunday in Kansas City. I think game time temp is like 20 degrees outside. Um, I'm not sure how it's going to play in Tennessee's favor. They got a bunch of, you know, Ryan Tannehill's a a Southern guy, played at Texas A&M from Lubbock, Texas, you know, played in Miami, obviously, for a little bit. Not sure he's going to acclimate to the cold weather. Derrick Henry, I don't know if it matters. He's just, you know, a a man amongst boys. So we'll see how that that one plays out. But um, I got two picks here on this one. Uh, first off, um, I think Kansas City covers. Um, as of right now, I locked them down as a seven-point seven point favorite. I can definitely see them winning this game by at least two touchdowns. All it's going to – it's going to come down to as long as they can keep Derrick Henry somewhat in check and force Ryan Tannehill to beat them. Again, I mean, I even go for 100 yards, but obviously it doesn't matter because they put up points. I just don't see him doing it in Kansas City. They look good. The offense looks good. The defense looks good enough. I know giving up 24 points to Houston freaking Texans, you know, was a slap in the face, but one was on special teams. I think they're going to have it. This week. They're going to put it together. They want to make up for last year's Patriots game to get to the Super Bowl where they blew that. Mm-hmm. Kansas City covers. I like them. And I also like the under in this game. I don't see the Titans coming out and being able to put up 20, 25 points. Vrabel is going to make it clear early. He's going to want the ball. He's going to want to control the clock. He wants to slow the pace of the game down. And when you do that, you take away Kansas City's opportunities to score. I don't see them getting the ball enough to put up 51 points like they did last week. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game, you know, for Kansas City at least. Um, you know, when they're usually putting up 50, I can definitely see this being maybe like a 30-17 game, something in there. I think that's probably part of the higher end, but I don't see them exploding. Um, I see a, a good football game. I remember both these teams are good. They're, they're both coming off great wins. They're they're both hot, so it makes it a little more difficult. But I'm not going to get let the recency bias of Kansas City think that they're going to put up 65 points because I just don't see it happening. Vrabel's not going to let that happen. 
Um, so I like Kansas City, and I like the under here. Yeah, the, the issue for this game for the Chiefs is that their weakness on defense is the glaring strength on offense for the Titans. I mean, they played earlier this year, but there's um, according to Pro Football Focus, the um, the Chiefs' defense has a 14% stuff rate, which ranks like 27th in the NFL. And um, that that does not look that does not bode well because the Titans' entire offense relies on, as you said, controlling the clock and running the ball with Henry. And they're just going to try to force it down their throats the entire game. I doubt they're going to try to switch their offense over to Tannehill because the strength of the defense is also for the Chiefs is also their corners. So that's that, it's just a recipe for disaster. I feel like it could be. I mean, Chiefs are twenty six against the rush this year. Titans were third in the league in rushing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that definitely helps my cause for the under. That's why I'm very confident in the under. But I just I can't see them slowing down Patrick Mahomes to the point where you know the, the Titans are going to end up walking away with a victory out of Arrowhead, a tough place to play when it's twenty degrees outside. Um, I got to take Kansas City and I got to take the under. Yeah, no, it makes sense because if they ended up, let's say that they end up stuffing the run game and then Vrabel decides it's time to like actually put the ball more in Tannehill's hands, then that if those of that offense, those drives end up going short, then you're just basically handing the ball off to a flamethrower and the, the scores is just going to keep climbing because I don't think that Titans defense can contain Mahomes. The, there's a huge difference between the offense that the Ravens ran and the Patriots have run versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs are by far the most explosive pass offense, and the Ravens were known for their rush. So once you stuff that, Marquise Brown and uh, that wide receiver core were not going to be able to keep up with the type of game and the spotlight that they were in. Yeah, I think, you know, last week we got caught up in the San Francisco game with uh, Jimmy G having his first playoff start. Who knows how he's going to do? And I think, you know, most of us forgot that was Lamar's first playoff start as well. And um, you know, maybe at the time, just the moment was a little too big. And, no, Lamar uh, played last fr- year. He played last year, too. Oh, that's my mistake. <laughs> no, it's all right. But, like, it's different, though, because expectations were way higher. Last year they came in as the wild card, and this year they came in as the favorite. I'd say, I think according to Vegas, they were the favorite. It was I think them in San Francisco might have had tight odds. I'm not exactly sure on that. But, I mean, different expectations, a lot more weight on Lamar's shoulders. I mean, the thing about Jimmy MVP. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about that Jimmy G comment is that, yeah, he, it was his first playoff game. He's also not the factor of that offense. He is like a Alex Smith control the clock, make sure they don't lose type quarterback. And Lamar was the entire offense. You didn't see Jimmy's name come up in MVP conversation for the way he ran that offense. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how you end up having 500 yards a game and scoring less than 12 points. I mean, he is the guy. He's the runner. He's the thrower. He's everybody. He's got to be. And, you know, frustrating game. And hopefully, you know, we got a better result this week, Kansas City, Tennessee. All right. Uh, the next game is the uh, 49ers and Packers. The uh, golden boy, Jimmy G, against apparently the ex-golden boy now, Aaron Rodgers, who, believe it or not, is still good. <laughs> Don't know why it was a conversation. Yeah. He seems to to keep figuring out. Yeah, we got the second game of the week, uh, Green Bay at San Francisco. Supposed to be a nice day, about 55 degrees outside. Uh, we've seen a lot of movement on this line. San Francisco started as a six-point favorite. I saw them as low as five-and-a-half. They are currently a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, Over-under is 46. Um, I, 
you know, again, I think this is kind of Aaron Rodgers' last hurrah, really, to try and get back to the Super Bowl. I mean, he's got a couple of years left probably, but, I mean, he is still good, but, you know, the Aaron Rodgers of the 2008 to 2014 is not the Aaron Rodgers of, you know, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, San Francisco bring, seems to be bringing back their entire defense. Uh, D Ford, who banged us in the first game, is is going to show up. we got Joey Bosa coming come to, to set the other edge, and I – it's, it's going to be very difficult, um, I think, in a world to see where San Francisco does not cover this spread, um, especially after the Week 12 matchup where San Francisco absolutely just crushed Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had the worst game of his career. Uh, it was ugly all around. So I think at the, at the, right now, San Francisco as a 7.5-point favorite, I'm liking the 49ers. The only way I can see Green Bay doing something here is, is if Aaron Jones has a huge day. And I think that that's a tall order against, you know, this defense that is just putting on a clinic, completely annihilated Dalvin Cook last week, made him a non-factor in the game. Kirk Cousins was constantly under pressure. Um, I, it's just, it's hard for me to look at San Francisco and not think that they're going to take care of business here. Um, uh, you know, I, I, especially with the three-headed monster for San Francisco's for the running backs, they, they really just, they're a complete team. You know, Kittle's going to be back. He's going to be looking great. It's just, it's tough not to enjoy cheering for San Francisco 49ers and watching them beat the crap out of the Green Bay Packers. So I like San Francisco a lot. And I'm not going to touch the over-under. 46 is a tough one. Because all it's going to take is a couple breaks from Aaron Jones where you're going to have to force uh, the offense to really get going. And all of a sudden you may be looking at like a 28-25 game, which blows out the uh, over-under. But 46, I think, is right where it needs to be. Um, so my official pick for this one is going to be San Francisco covers. Yeah, this is a really interesting game because, like, even though the Packers looked decent last week against Seahawks, the Seahawks were the most incomplete team outside of the Eagles and Texans in the playoffs. So them beating them, but also, like, them blow almost blowing the game was kind of I, – I don't feel like it gave enough confidence to the team but it gave enough confidence in Aaron Rodgers, I think. But this obviously this pass defense is way more intimidating than the Seahawks one was, especially because Rodgers, for some reason, has a mental block with Richard Sherman where he does not like to throw in his direction whatsoever. And you know they're going to put Sherman on Adams. And I don't see names like Adam Lazard and uh, Jimmy Graham's corpse <laughs> really oh, stepping up. What do you think? No, couldn't agree more. Um, I'm – Totally with you. I just think Aaron Rodgers is, like I said, he's just not the guy that he used to be. Uh, he's getting older. You know, father time always wins here. I just, and there's going to be an extra added pressure. I mean, he's a California guy. I mean, you know, and he, I think he knows this is his last chance really to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, granted, he's probably got two to three years left, but, uh, you know, who knows if he can stay healthy, what he's going to end up doing. I just, I don't see him being able to throw the ball down the field going to have to rely on Aaron Jones a lot and I just don't see him being able to put up you know the gaudy numbers that he's going to need to allow Aaron Rodgers to kind of air out a little bit so I I don't like the Green Bay's offense in this game against San Francisco's defense I think you know we're going to have a San Francisco Kansas City Super Bowl in a couple weeks Um, and you know we'll just have to see how it plays out on Sunday yeah that would kind of suck though because like I mean the Chiefs Packers one would be interesting because it's the NFL 100 and then also the the first Super Bowl ever was Chiefs Packers so on paper the NFL would love that they would make 
it would make them so much more like ads that they could post being like it started with this and it ended with the same but at the same time it just doesn't seem likely yeah and i i don't hate it i mean i would love to see that super bowl but i don't i don't see it coming to to fruition here i think as long as the nfl doesn't have to see uh the tennessee titans in the super bowl uh, I think that's all they really care about, and nobody really wants to have to see Mike Vrabel cut off his own penis. <laughs> that would be a real a real travesty, especially because we all know he won't do it. Even though his wife seemed down for it, apparently. They, like, interviewed her, and she was like, oh, yeah, like, I know, it's fine. I mean, we're at the age where it doesn't really matter anymore. <laughs> oh, man, that's tough to hear. <laughs> that is a tough look from uh, Mike Vrabel. <laughs> all right, you got anything else for us, or... <laughs> No, that, that's where I'm at now. There are no prop bets that really stick out to me this week. What's the, um, the Henry number for his rushing yards? Is it, like, ridiculously high? Like the over I wasn't even able to find one. I don't know if they're putting a number on him for this week. That I, I mean, obviously, I feel like if anyone was going to go for props, I, I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but the ones that I would feel comfortable taking a chance on would be if there was Henry rushing, I would – I would bet the over probably because Kansas City's defense is not meant to contain any. They played Henry earlier in Week Ten, and I think he had 188 and two. So I I feel like that stat line is gonna probably be. I would say the safe bet he's gonna go over 150 rushing yards. I mean, but they could still win the game with him running that. It could, um there was a Super Bowl, the the Bills Giants one back uh, when Parcells was the coach where the whole Belichick's whole game plan was essentially to let Thurman Thomas just run and put, but then they would have to con- like hold to on uh, the third downs, they'd have to go pass. And I think that's what they could try to do for the game plan. But I think Henry could still run all over the place and they still win. And I think the Mahomes over under on passing yards, I would bet the over too, because they're not going to run it. Damian Williams is not a running back in any way, shape or form. No, no, that offense goes through Pat Mahomes. He's definitely going to launch down the field constantly. Um, I, I know. I just, you know, Derek Henry last week, uh, they did exactly what I thought they were going to do. They had the cornerbacks one-on-one, and they lowered the box, and it didn't matter. Brian Cannonhill apparently, you know, tore him apart. So <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it, there was one prop that I was considering. It was the Green Bay total touchdowns at 1.5. You know, again, I, I just don't see Green Bay having a good day at all um i can definitely see the the under hitting there um so if you have any prop bet i think my favorite prop bet is green bay total touchdowns 1.5 under that's so would you say though that they have a better chance to win than the like do you think the game will go better for them than it did for the vikings or do you essentially view them as the same type of team uh very very similar uh i just I don't. I think it's gonna be a rough day for Aaron Rodgers. It's gonna be a rough day for uh, Aaron Jones, and I just don't see them being able to get it together. Because as soon as Aaron Rodgers needs two seconds, you know the 49ers have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL, and they're gonna be all over him. Yeah, the more I think about it, I mean, the what the only difference there's two differences between the Vikings and the Packers offense, and that is quarterback and wide receiver. The quarterback is obviously better for the Packers, but the wide receivers are much worse. And the wide receivers for the Vikings, they like Thielen got like garbage time catches, and Diggs had that one touchdown. But outside of that, like they didn't do much. So I don't really see, like I said, that weak wide receiver core ravaging, especially if Sherman's going to go one on one against Devontae Adams the entire time. But I think Sherman like only likes to play the left side of the field, so they might move him around. 
get creative. They're going to need to. So, you know, we'll see how it plays. But, you know, final pick there, San Francisco covers the 7.5 spread. And then if you want to have the prop bet, Green Bay total touchdowns under 1.5. In your non-gambler's opinion, how did you feel about the um, national championship game? I uh, loved it. I mean, those kind of games, I want offense. Um, after the first three possessions, I think, on both sides, that's all we saw. LSU is just such a well-oiled machine. It was, it, it was almost a pleasure to watch them this season. Uh, they're probably one of the best teams um, to ever play college football. I mean, the only thing I can think of the rival this season, it was like probably the 2001 Miami team, you know, 0102, where they had like 17 first-round picks. Uh, on that team, and they were just an absolute bulldozer. Um, but just, I, I follow college football a lot more closely than I do the NFL. And just to watch them, I think they ended up beating five of the top 10 uh, AP teams. Um, they beat Alabama in Alabama. They beat Georgia twice in the SEC championship game. You know, it was just, it was so much fun to watch a relative no namer and Joe Burrow just transform himself into this you know possibly the best single season quarterback of all time I think the only thing that even comes close to it is what uh, Cam Newton did when he was at Auburn in that one year so after this game has it changed your thoughts on Burrow at all as a prospect or are you still kind of where you were before kind of where I am before I mean the NFL is a different game than, than college I mean you gotta remember we're not too far removed from you know Johnny Manziel making a mockery of college football you know looking like he was gonna be all world everything goes to the NFL can't even you know play a season granted he had his own you know personal issues but you know the, the game is just so different in the NFL you know all the defenses are elite compared to what he was playing uh, in, in college I you know I hope it works out I, I know the Bengals are going to take them I hope they don't ruin them uh, but who knows with that coaching staff? But uh, no, he's right where he, you know, where he should be. Uh, you know, after we talked last week, so I think he's going to be number one overall pick. He's going to go to the Bengals, and, and hopefully he can he can turn that franchise around because I don't think it's going to be the Red Rocket. <laughs> Damn, and he's going to be let go. That's a real shame. I, all right, well, thanks for coming on. We're going to have you on next week for the uh, Super Bowl. I feel like that would just be prop heavy to say the least, depending on who's there. But uh, thanks again for coming on, and I guarantee it can only go up from last week. That, that's right. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Hopefully you guys feel good, and uh, let's get to the promised land. All right, thanks for coming on, bud. All right, thank you. Bye. All right, big thanks to Ronnie Props for coming on again. It's always fun having him on, talking gambling, talking football and whatnot. Excited to see him next week, and I think we're going to mix it up a little bit. Maybe we'll talk about that MLB scandal and – uh with cheating and whatnot and how it's tearing the league somewhat apart. And uh, we're also going to talk, obviously, about the recap of what happened last week. But until then, it has been a good time being on the podcast. Uh, I hope you guys listen, like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. See you then next week.